That goes sold again in 2010 for 35 mil. There you go. Nice. Hey, they did something right. We need to start a search engine. Kevin is a girl. <laughs> How do we cash in on your name, image, and likeness, Jerry? No one really cares. Can I give a rising shout-out to my mom, Christine, who just followed me on Twitter? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the new head football coach of the University of Arizona. His name is Jed Fish. Coach, great to have you with us. 72 days away. How are things in Tucson? Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, things are going well. We're right now in the middle of... um, some summer conditioning with our players. We have a football camp that's going on today for I think 500 prospective student athletes. And it's been a wild and crazy uh, June as it has been for everybody. So it's been great and looking forward to getting a few days away prior to uh, how it all starts up here soon. How are preparations going with this team? Because certainly jumping into a new situation isn't unfamiliar to you, but back in the college game after a bunch of years in the NFL, notably with the Patriots last season, what's life like right now as you establish a a program? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of been nonstop trying to really work through a lot of different facets of the program, whether it be the culture, whether it be schematics, whether it be, some of the other issues that arise when you're taking over a new program and learning about how things work and what's gone on here in the past. And then also trying to ingratiate ourselves into the community and uh, be very involved in Tucson and the university. And it's been an exciting spring for the university of Arizona. So we've had some great, you know, college world series in softball and in baseball and national championship game in basketball. So it's been a blast since we've been here. Well, you know, the women's basketball game is a little sensitive because Arizona beat BYU in the second round, Coach, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Jed Fish with us on BYU Sports Nation, the new head football coach at the University of Arizona. You're a veteran in this business and a desired commodity for sure. So why did you feel like Arizona, among all your opportunities, was the right fit for you? Well, um, I've been very fortunate and very blessed to have worked for some of the greatest coaches I've been you know, in this profession and learn from some of these guys. And when the opportunity came to have a chance to run your own program, there's nothing better than uh, giving it a whirl and the chance to be able to do it in the Pac-12 and do it at a place where I believe has all of the potential in the world. I feel very strongly that when you have a stadium on campus, when you have a state institution that has incredible athletics in all the different sports, when you have great facilities and a brand new indoor and you have all the different uh, facets that go into winning, it was the right time and the right place for us to leave the NFL and spent the last three years at the Rams and Patriots. And now it's a chance to go do it our own way here. What's the biggest strength you see of this team is uh, you embrace the 2021 season that luckily uh, should be a full one with fans. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for our team right now is, their want to and their desire to, to win. Uh, we have, we have a long way to go. It's been a while since we've walked away, uh, with wins here, but, uh, we believe that we have a, a, a committed team that are going to give uh, their best shot, their best effort. Every, every game, we've made a lot of roster changes 
since arriving here. And uh, hopefully we found ways to improve in a lot of different areas, but we know we've got enormous challenges every week, starting with the opening one. In contrast, what do you feel like the biggest question mark is with your team and roster? I'd say the biggest thing is we haven't played yet. So it's, you know, there's so much unknown in terms of how does a team compete during a game. Uh, It's one thing to compete during a practice. It's another thing to compete in the meeting room. Uh, But when the game is actually happening, when there's a score being kept, when there's the necessity to have discipline, uh, how do we perform in that capacity when we're tackling to the ground and not blowing a whistle dead? And, uh, you know, some of those things are really important for us and they're really not going to be known until September 4th and then really not be known again until every Saturday in the fall. And, and then we'll be able to look back and say, all right, this is where we, this is where we are as a team, but we're excited. We're going to give it our best shot every week. And our goal is to just see if we can improve uh, every day. Certainly the quarterback's always a question. Who's that player going to be? Will Plummer got some run last year. Gunnar Cruz transferred from Washington State. Jordan McLeod, familiar to BYU fans a little bit with the game in 2019, the South Florida beat uh, BYU in. So how's that quarterback competition shaping up? Well, the, you know, the Will and Gunner had a chance to go against head-to-head against one another the entire spring. And uh, they really took the majority of the reps and they battled it out, uh, even to the point of the spring game when one guy led – you know, one team and the other guy led the other. But uh, now Jordan entered the picture. He arrived here June 1. So we really haven't been able to spend any time with him football-wise uh, on the field throwing. We've only been able to meet with him, talk to him, um, and then watch him in the lift, lift group. So for us, it's really going to be critical come August 5th or August 6th, whenever that first day of camp is, to be able to get on the field and actually see what he looks like. And then we'll see uh, if he can catch up to the other two. And then the other two are going to have to see if they can continue to stay separate. Jed Fish, the head football coach at Arizona with us on BYU Sports Nation. In just over 10 weeks, you will face BYU at a neutral site, Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. How do you feel about opening up your coaching tenure at Arizona in an NFL stadium where – You've had some experience in uh, those big venues. Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited. I can't wait, really. Uh, we we played Las Vegas last year in New England, but we played them at our place. So uh, I've never seen the new stadium yet. It looks incredible online. Uh, it's going to be a very special place. The idea of having 100% capacity, we're hopeful that we could pack the place uh, with the two teams I hope it looks feels like a Florida Georgia game where half the stadium's one, half the stadium's the other, and it just uh, we bring energy and enthusiasm. We're playing a team that's you know coming off in an incredible season with the number two overall pick, and the energy and enthusiasm behind BYU football right now is extremely strong. Uh, our team and our players will be extremely excited about the chance to go back out there and compete. And you know NFL stadiums are special; brand new ones are even more special. And uh, the chance to be able to be a part of that is going to be super neat for us on Labor Day uh, weekend on that Saturday night and prime time. And I hope that our players embrace it. I know BYU players will embrace it. And uh, I mentioned to Coach Shataki, it should be an absolute blast to uh, do this thing. 
It could be like Florida, Georgia, but there will be fewer cocktails from the BYU side, I think. <laughs> um, probably, probably fair. What's the coolest thing on your wall behind you, by the way? Oh, man. Uh, I've tried to really have all sorts of different uh, pictures of coaches, of players that I've coached, uh, players that I've been around. I mean, I don't – I like the picture of uh, Tom Brady in the, at Michigan playing catch with me or Brandon Marshall behind me, but – I guess the coolest thing is the picture with me and my heart surgeon over what would be my right shoulder uh, because he's the guy that uh, saved my life when I was 26. So uh, I always honor him and uh, appreciate everything he did to allow me to still be here. Excuse us for not knowing the story. What, what happened when you were 26, Coach? Uh, I had an aortic dissection, and uh, my aorta ruptured while I was out jogging in Houston. Wow. Uh, when I was coaching for the Texans and uh, I had emergency surgery and uh, he was about one of the few people in the world that could repair it in the case it was in, in the situation I was in. So uh, he is uh, he is the guy that I always appreciate, look up to and I'll always carry his picture uh, on my desk wherever I am. Well, that's an incredible story. And certainly we're glad to have you with us. Uh, I guess it's fair to say if he asks for tickets, you, you got him. Yeah, he's he's clear. <laughs> All right, coach. When you look at film of BYU, what's the first thing that jumps off the tape? Uh, I think their toughness. I don't. I don't think there's any doubt that BYU plays with a toughness. They're mature. Um, they're an older. You know, it's an older team. It's a tougher team. It's a. Uh, you know, it's a team you always have to be ready for. Um, you know, and our, our goal is to match the toughness and you're always going to look at what BYU does and what they look like. And they're always going to be grown men, uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, you have to be aware of that, but that's always the first thing. And, and then discipline, discipline is always a BYU trait, uh, offense and defense. And we recognize that. And we know that, uh, I've only played BYU one time when we were at Michigan but I clearly have uh, been very familiar with BYU over all the years. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that 2015 result. It went really well for Michigan, let's just say that. BYU fans have tried to forget that one. With, with your staff, you have certainly made it very important to you that you're going to bring in a lot of notable alums who really were an important part of the program. Of course, highlighted by Teddy Bruschi, who's you know a consultant analyst with the program. Why was it important to bring in those guys in your first year? Well... Um, you know, it was a mixture of both, you know, prominent alum and then really good coaches. Uh, Ricky Hunley was a, I was actually Ricky Hunley's graduate assistant 21 years ago at the University of Florida. Um, he is a very notable alum. He's a college football hall of famer. He's the seventh overall pick. And the fact that he wasn't coaching at Arizona was surprising to me. So he's a guy that's been in the NFL, been in college football his whole life, worked for Larry Smith for a ton of years at Missouri and USC. And the chance to get him back here was easy for me. Chuck Cecil was on the staff as an analyst. Um, but Chuck, I went, we had great battles against Chuck when I was coaching in the NFL, and he was a defensive coordinator of the Titans. So to get him on board to coach the safeties and bring Don Brown in from Michigan to be the coordinator uh, just seemed like a perfect fit. And then when I got hired here, Coach Belichick recommended that I reach out to Teddy. And I, I really reached out to Teddy in a lot of ways just to talk to him. Uh, he still lives in Massachusetts. He has his job at ESPN. He's extremely busy. Uh, I feel as if it's, uh, you know, just a responsibility to be able to reach out to someone who's prominent in him and 
we worked out an arrangement that he can uh, zoom in with us once a week and we chat and we, uh, we stay in touch. And I, I'm extremely appreciative of Teddy and uh, everything he does and everything he can do for us. As you pointed out, you uh, have worked closely and often with Bill Belichick, and he's one of the goats in the game of football. What's the best bit of advice he gave to you as you become a head coach now at the collegiate level? Well, he said that, you know, be you. Be you. That, that, was, his, that was his biggest advice. Is, well, you've been with a lot of people. You learn from a ton of people. Um, that's all great. But unless you're the sincere and authentic you, then you're going to have it's going to be a struggle. Uh, so I've always used him as a resource. I still constantly use him as a resource. And uh, but in the end, he, he was very adamant about the best, you know, the best way to do it is to just be yourself. And, and that's that's going to be good enough. He's got this split personality, we're told, where we see the one uh, piece in public, you know, where he's, we're on to Cincinnati. And then everyone says he's got this amazing personality behind the scenes. Can you confirm that? Yes. Yes, I can. He's great. He's really a, I mean, what he does at work or how he handles the media is one thing. But, as you know, he is an unbelievable uh, person, very caring, very uh aware of the surroundings and everything around him. And he's just been, he's been an incredible mentor for, for me and a very, very good friend to me and my family. Coach, congratulations on all of your success in your coaching career. And, uh, you know, we certainly uh, look forward to seeing what you can do at Arizona as you begin a new venture. And we appreciate the time today. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Have a great day. You got a Jed Fish on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I like that guy. He's a cool guy. Other than bringing up uh, Michigan, you know, I like that guy. (laughs) That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. We have reached that point of the summer where Jerem Jordan begins his 10 lists mm-hmm. in 10 weeks as we so. count down to the BYU football season. Let's do it. 10 and 10. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem. 10 and 10. The top 10 teams BYU will face this year. Okay, not listed. Idaho State and South Florida. Sorry, not sorry. Yikes. Number 10, Utah State. Blake Anderson's the new head coach from Arkansas State amidst the in-season firing of Gary Anderson. No relation, by the way. Blake's quarterback transferred in, Logan Bonner. ESPN's FPI's 120th best team. Yikes. 1-5 last year. New OC, D.C. special teams coordinators for the fourth time in four years. I left South Florida off the list because I respect the Aggies more than the Bulls, but Utah State <laughs> still, uh, still building. It's going to take a while for the Aggies to get anywhere close to what they had going with Jordan Love and company. Yeah. Number nine, Arizona. Wildcats were terrible in 2020. 0-5, 17 points a game. New head coach Jed Fish comes from the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, 13 years in the NFL, recently with the Patriots. Remember you, uh, USF, uh, Jordan Cloud, who went 7-14, 72 yards, touchdown in the pick against BYU in 2019? He might be the starter for Arizona. Power 5 bias for the Wildcats over the Aggies, but Arizona, not good! Wow, the disrespect for the Wildcats is real. Oh, Absolutely. Season opener good, is about 10 weeks away. BYU and the uh, Wildcats in Vegas. Put it up in the locker room. Also put up that you know you stink anyway. Number eight, Georgia Southern. Yes, I think Georgia Southern is better than Arizona. 
The Eagles went 8-5 and five in the Sunbelt in 2020. Hashtag Sunbelt Sports Nation coming to you in 2034. The option-based rushing attack was the fifth best nationally. Top 25 in scoring defense as well. Four of those five losses were by one score. Four-year starting quarterback Shea Wirtz transferred to Louisville to be a receiver. So Georgia Tech quarterback transfer James Graham is in. He's a bigger version of Wirtz. Defense had the most takeaways in the country. Mm. Six starters returned. Wow, you're telling me head-to-head Georgia Southern is going to beat Arizona on a yep. neutral site. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Number seven, Washington State. I wish Mike Leach was still there, mainly for the sound bites. But it's Nick Rolovich, the quarterback, who put up 72 against BYU for Hawaii in 01. And head coach of the Rainbow Warriors against BYU in the 2019 Hawaii Bowl. But enough about Nick. 1-3 record in 2020. Tennessee transfer Jarrett Garantana. Remember him from 2019 mm-hmm. in Knoxville? He's the quarterback. What's up with quarterbacks transferring to schools that will play BYU that they already played? The Wazoo defense allowed 10-plus yards on 26% of plays, second worst in FBS for the team on the Palouse. Terrible defense. That's what they do. They score a ton of points. They give up a ton of points. This game makes me nervous for BYU and Pullman. It has Pac-12 after dark written all they, over. It could end up being like a 58-55 game. That that team that scored a bunch of points, that was a couple years ago. Oh, that was, That's not this team. Number six, Virginia. Hey, Bronco Kelly, Robert, Nick, Jason, Shane, Mark, Matt, and Garrett. There's a lot of former Cougs on that mm-hmm. list, on that staff. ESPN FBI thinks really highly of the Who's. At 32nd right now, 5-5 five and five in 2020, worst record since 2017. Lots of returning starters, including quarterback Brendan Armstrong, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks. He also ran for 5.52 and 5. Yeah, I think highly of Virginia as well, and maybe that is soaked in bias because we have dealt with Bronco Mendenhall. We know what he's about, but I'm surprised to see them this low on the list because of the football power index where they had them. Yeah, I, I'm... They, they're going to be better. It doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. What And what's good? A-plus, probably. Yeah. Number five, Boise State. New head coach Andy Avalos returns back to Boise from Oregon for Brian Harson, who went to Auburn. He got paid more. Broncos were 5-2 and two last year, losing the Mountain West Championship game to San Jose State, and this just in to BYU. Super talented offense with ballers returning. New OC Ch- Tim Plow comes from UC Davis. They're going to sling it and spread it. Uh, as the OC. Remember the game on the blue last year? Fun times. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight returning starters on both sides. So I think Boise gets back to a kind of 10, 11, 12 win team. I don't know why, but I'm a little slow on Boise State being this good with so much turnover. I think it's going to take them probably another season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win only eight or nine games this season just with a new head coach and everything. The Power 5 teams on BYU's schedule aren't like upper echelon per se. So Boise State, while they could be a nine-win team, I think still is better than Washington State and maybe even Virginia, right? Mm. So that's why I have them so high. Number four, Baylor. I think Baylor will be much improved. Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos returned to Provo on Dave Aranda's staff. Aranda was a DC at Utah State in 2012. Two and seven last year. They struggled. Charlie Brewer, second all-time in pass yards in Waco. He went to Utah. More on him in a moment. Rush game struggled. 18% of carries turned into TFLs, most in FBS, but 16th best turnover margin in the country. I think the Bears will be better. They could be terrible, but I'm thinking Baylor's at least going to be kind of middle of the pack, Big 12. Yeah, that's what's interesting about this. Like, I, I could, oh, I wouldn't fault you if you put Baylor back at number seven and bumped everybody yeah. up. It, they're the an, biggest question mark to me on the schedule. They're an enigma, yes. I have no idea what to expect from Baylor. Yes, just giving Jeff Grimes some love, I guess. Number three, Arizona State. Highly touted, expected to compete in the Pac-12 South with a group that was good but not great last year under Herm Edwards. Returning junior quarterback Jaden Daniels. A lot of people looking back to his freshman year about how good he is. 
15 starters back from a 2-2 two and two team, two L's by eight points. They put up 40 a game in limited action, 70 in the Territorial Cup over Woo. Arizona. Should have beaten USC. The defense forced a takeaway on 25% of possessions, best in the nation. Limited action, but awesome. So a couple years ago, they went eight, and then last year, limited action. So really banking on Arizona State building with Herm Edwards and a young quarterback who... Everyone thinks we'll be way better. Yeah, ultra-athletic team. There's some drama swirling in Tempe right now around Arizona State's program. I wonder like, if that's going to have an effect. What will the NCAA do, if anything, with that? Yeah, that, will they that just could, slap them on the wrist? That play into this. But yeah, I feel like Arizona State underachieves a lot based on the talent that they consistently bring in. Is this year they maximize the talent? Yeah, I don't believe Arizona State's like a top 15 team, but there's some that think they'll get up to that. Number two, Utah. 3-2 record in 2020, zero NFL draft picks. It's a weird year for Utah. Charlie Brewer, as mentioned, transferring from Baylor, will probably win that starting quarterback job. Add in TJ Pledger from Oklahoma at running back, Chris Curry from LSU. Utah feeling good about transfers in the backfield. Brought in a bunch of five-star guys. Look at Utah. 11th best rush defense, but 99th against the pass in 2020. Again, only five games. That defense is always good. I'm not sure if Utah's a 10-win team or an 8-win team. But the youths will be good again. Will they win the Pac-12 South? Probably not, based on who's next in your list. And the number one team BYU will face this year is USC. 26th in the ESPN FBI. Your boy Keaton Slovis is a junior. He calls Provo weird. We call Keaton Slovis weird. 5-1 and one record in the truncated <laughs> 2020. 13 returning starters. Best passing offense returning among Cougar opponents this season. Lost the Pac-12 title game to Oregon, who got in for Washington. Defense had, listen to this, 16 takeaways in six games. That's insane. End of the season, rank 21. They will be a top 25 preseason team. To close out the season on the road in the Coliseum, that, that's a tall, tall task for BYU. So I, I don't like the location of the game. The timing of the game, however, is interesting because you wonder what USC is going to bring to that game. Will they have clinched a berth into the Pac-12 championship game and not need this? They need to rest people. Are they undefeated or have one loss in their playoff hunt if it's really, really good? If it's bad, they're not in the Pac-12 title game? I don't know. But that is the initial 10-10 teams. We're going to be bringing you one a week for the next nine-plus weeks. Yeah, we're getting closer. Here we go. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B with your illegal hair products or not. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, one of our favorite rugby alumni at BYU, Utah Warriors Center and star. His name is Calvin Whiting. Calvin, great to have you back on the show after almost five years, man. Good to see you. Crazy. Good to be back. Hey, year four of Major League Rugby, and uh, you may have noticed that Jerem Jordan has been around the team. So before we get into the questions uh, about Major League Rugby, just I want you to assess Jerem Jordan as a broadcaster. How He talks about you as a player. How would you assess him as a broadcaster? Man, I've seen him. He's, he's gotten so good, both of you guys. I mean, it's been so fun to watch the show over the years. Obviously, started watching it at BYU, but now just to carry on watching. It's just it's always good, something I look forward to every week. Oh, thanks, Kevin. You're super nice. I'll Venmo you later. Don't worry, man. Okay, so obviously things going really well for the Utah Warriors. Second place right now in a playoff position. 
The last three weeks, uh, the team has won in the final four minutes of the game. What's it like playing on a team that is the best team in program history and team history, but also you guys know how to win late? I know it's, it's kind of crazy. Everyone calls us the cardiac kids, right? It's, uh, we, we keep the entertainment going, which is not so good for us, but at least we pull those wins off. <laughs> um, as far as the experience goes, it's been awesome. I mean, we we're surrounded by a bunch of good guys who are willing to do whatever they can for the team to make sure we're successful. Um, as far as players, coaches, medical staff, no matter what it is, um, we're surrounded by people who just want to be involved and want to help progress this program. How do you explain the culture and atmosphere around the team right now? Because not every team can ramp it up in high-pressure situations, yet, as we just pointed out, the Warriors and you are doing it consistently. So explain the atmosphere, the culture, and how that is helping you win high-pressure games. Yeah, it's a great question. I think the biggest thing, to be honest with you, is just the fact that it's been the same group from the beginning. Um, you've seen a lot of teams that have brought in guys from overseas, especially come you know late in the season. However, with us, it's been that same core group that has kind of just taken a load the whole season on, right? And so because of that, I think we've built this camaraderie that's allowed us to understand and the chemistry that we have now as a team as well, just to know exactly what we need to do. It's just week in, week out, just to get the job done. You know, put your head down once, one foot in front of the other and just keep going. You've been awesome this year. Team's leading tackler. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hagen Schulte, the uh, fly half and, and primary kicker kind of gets hurt. You start kicking. You go 18 and 19, man. You only miss one kick. How did you jump back into being a fly half suddenly and a kicker? Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's one of those skills you, you keep practicing, right? So, I mean, even though Hagen's still kicking, like behind the scenes, I, I'll still get a few kicks in here at practice, here and there, that kind of thing. But um, honestly, I think I was talking to you about it last a few weeks ago. It's just kind of like riding a bike, though. I mean, I've been kicking a rugby ball since I was geez, 10 years old. And so it's just, you know, get back out there, stick to the rhythm. You know exactly how to do it. You just got to get it done. Calvin, have you ever considered trying out for the National Football League as a kicker? Honestly, it's, it's been one of those things that's on the back of my mind. I don't know how it would work as far as, like, scouts go, that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, it's it's the same concept, right, except for the fact that you're wearing pads and it's, you know, a different size ball. But I would assume the physics are the same. You know, you, you kick the ball, it goes over the pulse. It's, uh, I'm not too sure how that process works, but if you know anyone, let me know. Would you have been a better kicker at BYU or punter, rather, than Johnny Linhan? <laughs> Jeez, whoa, 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 shots fired there. Come on, bro. Don't put me on the spot like that. So so is it yes or no? Uh in, man, that guy had an absolute cannon of a leg. I don't know if I because we would we would always mess around at rugby practice together because my first year was one of his last years with the team. And so we would always practice kicking together and watching him kick a ball, even then when he you know switched over to football, I was like, man, this is insane. We were going to that uh, um, indoor training facility, the IPF down there, and he'd be kicking footballs and they'd be hitting the roof like continuously. And I'm like, well, yep, no, I think I'm going to leave. I, I love Johnny. He wouldn't have gotten 18 of 19 uh, kicking M- MLR. So it's a wash. It's a wash. Okay, let's lay the groundwork for what's going on with rugby in the U.S. So Major League Rugby is in its fourth year. The Utah Warriors are one of the original seven teams. This is a great place for rugby. And we've seen, you know, 3,000-plus at home games this year. It's been awesome. How is the league growing? How is the game growing in the United States? 
Man, it's it's been fun to watch, really. You know, it's it's kind of a lot of people compared to the beginning years of the MLS. Um, so obviously, us as players, we're kind of those pioneers, right? And so we understand that the work that we put in now will pay dividends in years to come. However, with the youth that are coming through, you know, the development academies, that kind of stuff, really, really good players, especially within the U.S. I know the league wants to grow to a few more teams and actually have like a real East and West conference, you know, to set up something, you know, eventually with the playoffs, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, that kind of stuff. So it's in a really good place now for us to kind of keep growing. Calvin, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, We're so thrilled for your success with the Utah Warriors. Can't wait to watch what the season holds for you. And uh, let's not wait five years before we talk again. Seriously, though. Thanks for having me. You got it. Calvin Whiting on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. They've been really fun to watch, and they're a good team. So Matt Jensen and Josh Whippy uh, are the three BYU alums who play on the That's team. fantastic. Jared Whippy is on the team as well, coming back from an injury. But uh, it's pretty fun. They play at Houston this week, and they've been really good. And there are other really BYU guys across the league as well. Kyle yeah, Sumption. Kyle Sumption's with Rugby United New York, who they played against Utah last week. And Utah got the best of Rugby United New York. But, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. The national championship culture and run that BYU had in rugby was pretty fun. I hate that you said had, but it's true. Uh, Yeah, things changed. The dynamic changed. Still good, but not the same. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time for all of you now to get a tour of the locker room of sorts with Jason Shepard, who joins us from the Student Athlete Building. Shep, I just just want to know, have you found your locker yet? You know, I have not. I, I did look for, you know, a locker that said Shepherd on it. I, I did not see that. Maybe I <laughs> need to Miller take Park. like a second lap to see if if there was one for me. But, guys, I know you've talked a lot about it on the show today. Being here and seeing it with my own eyes, it, it's even better than what the videos and the pictures showed. It's absolutely unbelievable. I'm right now in the equipment room, which, as I told you before we went on the air, is both exhilarating and depressing because I'm not going to get any of the equipment that's in here. Uh, But, in fact, I just saw Taysom Hill walk through about uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. So all of the big guns are coming in here today. Uh, But beyond just... Uh, some of the, the things in the locker room, just here in the equipment room, you have the display of all of the helmets, the history of BYU helmets. On the wall, you have the history of the BYU uniform, which is absolutely unbelievable. I know you've had a couple of guys talking about some of the specifics of the locker room, uh, but uh, it is patterned after the Philadelphia Eagles, which is really cool. It was built and renovated on the existing footprint of the old locker room, so nothing changed in terms of the dimensions. But in terms In terms of the player experience, and I know that's something that BYU is really, really trying to tap into and increase the player experience, you know, this has been something that the the players have loved. They were able to have some input into it. In fact, um, let's uh, let's go ahead and hear from one of the players. Oh, snap. Look, Neil Powell is is walking in. Why don't you you come in? Did you see the nice Nike uh, shoe display in the back? 
So Neil Powell joining me here. Um, first and foremost, we saw the reaction of the video yesterday of yeah. everybody coming in and yeah. eyes were all open and everybody couldn't believe how awesome it was. What was your reaction when you came in here and saw this for the first time? Uh, mine was kind of the same. Some guys had walked through before and kind of seen it before, but I waited till I guess yesterday, that moment, to finally see, I guess, the change because I'm so used to the brown and <laughs> what was before. And it's still surreal right now. Like, even walking in, we're all still surprised that, like, we come into a new locker room. Uh, it just feels different. It feels, uh, it feels good for sure. What does this do for you as a player in terms of having all of these comforts and everything looking shiny and new? As a player, what does that mean to you in terms of this program? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think what Kalani did uh, just in this change, I think it will help uh, with recruiting. Uh, us as players love it, so we're going to treat it just maybe better than where we live right now. Uh, but I think recruiting-wise and having other kids see that, you know, we are not behind, I feel like, anymore. We're, we're just as uh, up-to-date as other pi Power 5 schools. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of uh, good things will come from this renovation. One of the cool things is that you guys as players had an opportunity to have some input in terms of what you want, what would be functional, what would be cool to have. What does that mean to you that your input, you start to see that out here in the locker room? Yeah, I thought it was cool. They had talked to us about it uh, whenever they did uh, last year. And none of us are interior designers, so we couldn't really see what they were talking about and stuff. They had brought up ideas and like, okay, we like this, we like this. And the guy that did it, he had did it for many other schools, so... He tried to just put his input of what they could have thought they could have done better, and we agreed with certain things, and uh, at the end of the day, we were just happy with the results. Well, when you look at the lockers themselves, obviously the, the cushion seating and all of the storage compartments, whether it's for yeah. personal items or for football gear, the shoe display, the shoe rack, which is cool. You guys have charging ports yeah. and being able to you know, charge your phones or whatever. What's your favorite part of all of the new stuff? Um... Besides all the space, I think it's for sure the charging ports. A lot of us were tired of walking to one station, having to leave our phone. and But it's cool just to put it in our locker now, and now we can just charge it and then stay in our locker. Whether we're doing homework, whatever it is, we don't have to walk across, I feel like, the whole room just to charge our phone or whatever. Well, Neil, thanks for stopping by. I know that, uh, that a lot of the alumni who are no longer here are super jealous that you guys get this. So uh, I'm sure you guys will enjoy having, having this for years to come. Thanks. We will. Thank you. Guys, you, you heard it from Neil. The players love it. And honestly, it really is. Like he said, and I know you guys were talking about it. Like from a recruiting standpoint, like this, is, this could be a game changer. This is going to be something that fans are going to want and potential you know, players are going to want to be a part of. Jason, do you have a favorite part of everything you've seen? If so, what is it? I... I Honestly, I love the the personalization that they have on all of the lockers. Not just the names, but they have like an action photo of that particular player and it's lit up so it just looks really clean and fresh and everything is in the royal blue which is really cool I, I love the personalization on each locker. Uh, I think that's a really nice touch beyond just the name. It looks cool, too, because obviously the locker room is one thing, but you're in the equipment room, which we were just looking at some pictures of. There are uh, Vandy Creations. We, we've hung out with these guys. We love them. They're great. They've created uh, all the, the history of the uniforms, which is super cool up on the wall as well. I love that.
Yeah, it's it's really cool, and I mean, it, it starts with the, you know the very first one has BYUA or and so Brigham Young Academy, and it goes all the way to the current one. There's even one here that you know looks like it's a, like a Chicago Bears. It, it's uniform, orange, like and it's throwback. From, it's from forty two. Yeah, orange. Yeah, it's from forty two. Yeah, they wore it for one year. This 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 whole thing is done first class. And and that's what these players, you know, this is something that they can be proud of because this area is where they spend 90, 95% of their time. It's after practice. It's where they hang out, you know. So having this be a place like this with all of the comforts that you could ever want or need, it, it really is a big deal for the BYU football program. There's no question about it. Jason, how's your shuffleboard game? I have never played shuffleboard. <laughs> I, I, have, I have, but I did go it. when I was out in the locker room. There were a couple people playing shuffleboard. There was also like a Nerf hoop that was being uh, played on. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. And like I said, this is where the guys are going to hang out. They need to feel comfortable. There's all new, brand new televisions. You have the shuffleboard, like uh, like you just mentioned. You know, anything and everything that a football player would want. In a facility like this, this place has. It's, it is, it's, we see all these videos from schools, like whether it's Oregon you know, or LSU, and now BYU has that type of facility, and that's really cool for Cougar fans and certainly for the Cougar football team. I'm just going to need you to bring back something for our office, okay? I don't care what it is. Just find something. Well, it can't be that landline behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. Just find something and so bring it I'm back being, to our I'm, office. I'm being handed this. I probably would literally be tackled if I tried to leave the premises <laughs> with it, but uh, this came out of this came out of Jaron Hall's little cubby. Oh, okay. So Jaron doesn't need that. So this this may Well, Jaron's gonna need it a lot this week. Jaron Hall's. Jaron's gonna need it every game. <laughs> oh, Chef, thanks for uh, the insight, man. We appreciate the report, the conversation with Neil Paul. We'll see you again soon. Sounds good, guys. I just want to go down there right now. Can we just end the show right now? No. Nine minutes and 40 seconds. Um, Almost done. Jason didn't go into the locker room area because it's now active. Yeah. So he can't go in there right now. Or guys, uh, you know, North Carolina after dressing and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it was inactive yesterday. They just kind of showed up. But now they're they're going. They're back. Hey, Renna, I want the shoe locker in my own personal closet. Oh, yeah, I, that was nice. I want that. Like you pull it out yes. and it's like angled. And, uh-huh. Yeah, that's really I'm, nice. I am, as you would say, well, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, peanut butter and jealous. About the yeah. shoe locker. Yeah. It's in. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Linebacker Keenan Peely and center James Empey have been named to the 2020-2021 COSIDA Academic All-District football team. Hey, good students, man. Love it. Smart guys, good you, students, fantastic football players. You need them to be smart on the players. field, and it's not likely that they're going to be, you know, dumb as a rock in one place and super smart in the other, so that balance is important. Because guess, guess who's in the center of the field making calls? Those two dudes. Quarterback of the line. And then the quarterback of the defense. Yeah. You betcha. 
Speaking of mega minds and intelligence, joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline <laughs> is the BYU football or director of football operations, John Swift, who uh, really in a lot of ways with Billy Nixon was a huge part of building this amazing locker room. John, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for that uh, nice introduction. You guys are too kind with the old mega mind and smarts <laughs> comments. Uh, appreciate that. Hey, we're doing what we can. Okay, John, take us to the beginning of this project. When did the conversation really ramp up about doing this? Man, the conversation for this happened um, even preceding this past season. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of players who came to us with concerns about a number of things that they felt were just behind with our program and Kalani has built a culture here where this is really a player led team. And so, you know, we're always open to these, these conversations and suggestions and even have a leadership council of players that we rely on to get a pulse on the program. And so over a year ago, they came to us and said, look, we really do need to upgrade things. It's time. And that's when the conversation started. And our vice president, um, Keith Vorking was great about, um, sitting down with those same players and having that conversation as well as Tom Homo. And uh, they got the ball rolling and they were able to uh, then dip into what was a um, endowment fund that was put in place for this building and for this facility. And uh, the rest is history, man. Then we started rolling, looking at the best companies to design these lockers and locker rooms and um, pulled the players and uh, figured out what they wanted in a locker room and threw it all together. Um, and so, you know, from, from then to now, it feels like it's been a whirlwind, but, um, everyone's been really great and, uh, we're happy to finally have it done. It's been a long time coming. Well, it looks amazing. And yeah, 17 years since the, you know, when it was first built and now the first remodel, it just looks amazing. What were some of the inspirations and motivations behind what you guys did? We looked at a number of different, um, power five locker rooms, as well as some of the G five locker rooms and, um, mainly for, how the lockers should be laid out in terms of compartments, storage, all that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of design, we really loved the sleek, modern look of Penn State's locker room. Plus, their color scheme was very similar to ours. Um, but then we just really, the, the main things we wanted to hit were functionality-wise, what did our players need and what did they want? Um, I've seen a lot of comments in, in a lot of people's comments about the fact that we still have shuffleboards in the locker room. <laughs> Our players are all about the shuffleboard, man. We only had one before the locker room renovation, and it, there was always lines waiting to play it, so we had to bring in a second one. So they're all about the shuffleboard for anyone who's asking why we put shuffleboards in there. <laughs> um, that, was an important, that was an important aspect of it. John Swift, Director of Football Operations at BYU with us on BYU Sports Nation. Take us to the moment that the players finally saw it and that reaction. What was your perspective in that moment? Man, it was unreal. Um, I, I was smiling and laughing watching your guys' stills of uh, the players reacting to it. I actually was up in the team room with them, letting them know we would be bringing them down now to see it, and they were all excited. And I waited till they all cleared down the stairwell. So I wasn't actually in there when the first ones walked through and saw it, but I could hear them. You could hear them through the floor. They were excited, and, and I knew when I could hear them, screaming and, and hollering from through the floor that uh, we had done the right thing. And then when I saw these videos of them reacting, man, it was, this is what it's all about. This was for them. It wasn't for anyone else besides these guys who work so hard and who deserve this. And uh, we're just so excited that, that now they can finally move into it and make it their home. So it's the student athlete building locker room, the one they use the most. We talked about how Lavelle Edwards Stadium is a different locker room. Obviously, that's a project, you know, at some point that will require renovation as well. But what doesn't? Everyone wants a renovation at some point. So 
it's not just the locker room area for the players, though. There were other spaces that you guys redid, too. Tell us about those areas. And we're looking forward to talk, uh, talking live with Jason and, and walking around. Yeah, um, I'm excited for you guys to see some of those other areas. Some of them still have a few loose ends that need tied up, which is partly why you guys probably haven't seen photos or video of those up to this point. But uh, the coaches' locker room area, which houses our full-time coaches, our strength coaches, our support staff, our GAs, and our analysts, was redone as well. Um, it was it was dated much like the the players' locker room was. We also redid the alumni locker room. We feel there's a strong importance for us to make a connection with all those guys. They're always here working out. We want to give them a nice, comfortable place to be, and so we redid that area as well. They'll have their own um, name place, just like the players have. Um, that will be designated for them to come and work out and have their own home place. And then uh, the equipment room also got a facelift, which is nice. We want it to not look more like a workspace as much as just an extension of the locker room, a place where the BYU history as well as a wow factor can be present, much like the locker room and the Nike gear display wall. Yeah, we love what the uh, Vandy homies did, uh, you know, with the metallic jerseys. That was super cool. Tell me more about the NFL. Yeah, that was great. The alumni locker room. So I, I read this and clarify this. If, does every how many NFL guys have a locker room in there? Is it is it current guys in the NFL? So it gets a little bit tricky. So that's a good question. We we have made up about twenty six nameplates, but there's only twelve lockers in there. So whenever we know one is around, what's going to happen is we're going to switch up and put up their locker nameplate in there so that they have their own space. But the, it's a good problem to have too many guys in the NFL, and uh, we're currently we're currently there. So we're just going to take care of them when they're here and make sure they have their own place to to set up shop when they're here working out. He is the director of football operations at BYU, John Swift. How long did you have to keep the team away from the area while it was under construction so that you keep everything secretive? We uh, we had them cleared out since early April of the locker room, and they haven't moved in until yesterday. And so they were out for a significant amount of time working out out of duffel bags and just going home after their workouts and bringing their own water and going home to shower. Um, so it's been an interesting two and a half or three months for these guys. Um, I, I would be lying if I didn't say there was a few guys who, who tried to peek their heads in and get a sneak peek <laughs> that we had to kick out. A little too curious, but uh, they, they did a pretty good job all around making it be a surprise. So it was exciting for him to see for the first time. John, we were discussing, yeah. is this a game changer for BYU football? How do you feel about this? I think it is. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of the research has shown that it's not necessarily facilities that make the difference um, at the end of the day with recruiting. And, and I know that Kalani would, would hope that guys aren't picking us just because of a facility, but it certainly helps to at least be on par and better Um, than a lot of the people you're competing with for recruits. And so now we feel that we're in a place where our players have a comfortable place to be, they have a place that they love, and we have a place that we can show off and have a little bit of a wow factor just to add on top of everything else we're trying to sell with our program. So I think it will help to make a big difference in um, turning the tide for some of the guys who may have not been considering coming here. The feedback, at least as far as we can tell on social media, has been overwhelmingly positive, just a ton of excitement. But you mentioned the shuffleboards. Maybe you got a little trash there. Did you get any other negative feedback about anything besides the shuffleboards? We, 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 the only things that I saw were shuffleboards and the showers. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, had to, I had to laugh about those, but our guys don't seem to mind, you know, and it was a capacity thing. So with those showers, we would have lost out on eight shower heads if we didn't have that middle bank. So we were, we were uh, playing a numbers game there. 
Listen, tree of life, right? <laughs> Everyone that went to the uh, MTC knows the deal. Hey, although, although in Sao Paulo, yeah, in Sao Paulo, it wasn't that way. I guess I got lucky. Um, <laughs> Lavelle Edwards Stadium, that locker room. Are there plans? Are there discussions for something like uh, a renovation there in the future? We don't have anything major on on the docket right now. We are doing a minor renovation in there. Um, actually, moving where the coaches' locker room is with where the trainers are going to be just for better accessibility for our trainers. So there are little things that are taking place here and there, and those rooms that are getting moved around will get a facelift. Um, And they did some upgrades pretty recently, actually, in that home locker room, Um, putting in a new speaker system, doing some repainting and things that really freshened it up. We're in there six games um, out of a year, really six days, and sometimes just two additional days for scrimmage and things. So right now it's just not an area that we feel necessary to put funds to as opposed to other areas that that really could have an impact on the program right now. John, congratulations on an amazing project. We appreciate the time and the insight into uh, what went into this, and we can't wait to see it with our own eyes. Yeah, happy to walk you guys through it. We'll see you guys in a bit. You got it. John Swift on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how the director of football operations hard at work with Billy Nixon. He said in a bit because we're actually going to go down like an hour. Uh, and go check it out ourselves. So super exciting, man. Yeah. It looks great. It looks great. And <clears throat> great point by him when we talked about, hey, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, it certainly needs something at some point, but they're putting it into other spaces that they use for it. The utility of it. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. How do you see this Supreme Court ruling yesterday affecting college sports in the next 10 years? We heard from Tom Homo earlier. What do you think? I really have no idea because there is so much legislation out there that still needs to happen. I guess what I feel confident is players will be paid and probably it will be equalized at the college level, meaning okay, you're going to pay everyone the same amount, whether it's a stipend or increased funds, but that will be equal. I feel like that has to happen. And then the name image likeness for the stars is where those athletes can really separate themselves from the rest and make money because they're the best players. But I'm guessing that like the stipend, I think we we saw $4,500 per semester for athletes that are competing at the division one level have a full scale scholarship at BYU. Maybe that gets bumped up towards, I don't know, 10 or $15,000 for the year. And again, that's a massive jump. That's yeah. equal. That's equal for all athletes, regardless of sports, but then the name and image, gender, by the way, name image likeness. That's where athletes have the opportunity to go and make more money if they want to. So I would anticipate something like that. That is fair because equality is such a huge deal right now uh i just don't know if there's going to be a cap like is is there no, you can't be capped that's the point the Supreme sure name Court. image like this but what i'm saying is uh, like no 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 here so so ralph russo and the ap said the ruling means the that value can't be capped well then how do you equalize if you what cap everyone it, you're gets? doing the same thing that happened before well no it's only worth this here you go you can't cap it, is okay. what they're saying. So I'm wondering if it will be equal. So no cap. Do we just, think just San how much... Jose State and Alabama are going to be are going to give the same amount out? No, no, yeah. So if and, there is if there is no cap, then Alabama players get I don't know how many thousands well, extra per year. Let's and then, talk about it. 
So tuition, cost of uh, living, dot, 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 at each school varies. So it's already not the same. Mm -hmm. Like the scholarship at a more expensive institution is worth more than at a lesser uh, in terms of uh, finances institution. Sure. Right? Not saying the value. uh, I'm talking dollar amount. I'm not taking like the experience. So it's already uneven that way. But yeah, a lot of questions, right? How do you distribute funds? Uh, and is it equal by sport? Uh, does it matter if you start or not? Is it all, it's just like if you're on scholarship, period. What if you're on the baseball team or volleyball team, men's volleyball team, and you have .25 of a scholarship? Because that's the case, by the way. Does everyone realize that? Baseball has 11.7 scholarships. Men's volleyball has four and a half. You can break them up however you want. Well, there are rules to that. There are rules to that um, and how it's distributed. In fact, a previous men's volleyball coach was let go because he distributed them in a way that uh-huh. wasn't kosher within the rules. So it's complicated. I don't, yeah, I don't know the answer to uh, of <laughs> how it's going to work. Does the NCAA have any say in how scholarships are distributed now after well, yesterday? Well, there will have to be more guidelines. So Ralph Russo in an article did a nice job, a couple of his thoughts. Ruling doesn't mandate that schools pay athletes. It only prevents the NCAA from standing in the way of educational benefits. So perhaps the payment comes through educational benefits in more ways than one. Like, what isn't being addressed in the scholarship that can? Also, yeah, is there an increased stipend that helps, like, in theory towards rent or whatever else isn't covered already? I'm not exactly sure. Can you give more uh, resources like a computer or iPad or whatever that would benefit? I don't know. And if the value can't be capped, what does that mean? We Let's, let's be honest. We all know that in high-performing college athletics, there is under-the-table money being given to athletes to go to certain schools, right? So that's going to continue. But this is the, like, public, legal distribution of funds in whatever way that is. So does it have to be under the table anymore? It will always be under the table in addition to this. Even if name, image, and likeness are out there, couldn't they just say, hey, we want to utilize you as a poster child for this corporation that's tied in with the university, and we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. Yes, but you think those hands won't come out still saying, what are you going to pay me? Like, we earned that, but to get me to your school to get to the NIL, what are you paying? Right, but so to avoid the risk of potentially getting in trouble, though, couldn't they just mask it with a corporation? They don't really get in trouble. That Very few schools get in trouble. Arizona recently. They eliminate the risk at all. Just take it away. It's worth it. Ask Alabama and Clemson with all their trophies. Like guaranteed, these teams, Ohio State, they're all handing out money. Sure, but what, college basketball, they're handing out money. But if if it's okay and there's no cap on value, what I'm saying is you don't I, have to sneak around anymore. What I'm saying is anymore. to get to the school requires a certain amount. Then nil comes in. Okay, that's what I'm saying. To get to the school, so recruits before they're in the program. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now I am seeing think what of, you're think about talking cer- about. Yes. Think about certain schools and how they get certain guys. It's not because they want to get an education at that school. Showing the cards. BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick was shockingly asked about the starting quarterback race last week during media day. And while we certainly didn't expect him to announce a starter, he may just have shown his cards specifically as it pertains to Jaron Hall. Listen again and you decide. Well, just the, the times that we've seen Jaron play, he's, he's played about as well as I've seen. You know, that Utah State game was about as well as I've seen any quarterback play in my career. And um, 
Unfortunately, he's had a tough time staying healthy, but if he's able to do so, he's going to be tough to beat out. Jerem, is Jaron Hall the BYU starting quarterback if he's healthy? Yeah, been saying this for a while. It's Jaron's it's position to lose, in my opinion, um, because who held the backup position over Baylor Romney in 2019? It was Jaron Hall. Why wasn't Jaron the backup last year? He was hurt. When Jaron Hall's healthy, he is the best quarterback BYU has. And I, that doesn't mean Baylor is far behind. And then Jacob Conover, we've been told in practice, was good. Only two games difference or you know, in terms of starts with Jaron with two, Baylor with two, and Jacob Conover with zero. So it's not a lot of volume. But that, that Utah State game specifically referenced, Jaron was pacing for a 400-100. In the first half, in Roderick's words, about as good as I've seen a quarterback ever play. Yes, it was very, it was very impressive. Again, it's one half. I don't want to overblow one half, but when we have low volume, that's a bigger deal, right? Like that's you know a quarter of what we know about him. Jaron Hall can be fantastic. He is a tremendous passer. He is not and should not fit into the stereotype black quarterback runner conversation. He is an excellent passer who can also run really well. He's not a runner who passes, right? There was a time with Taysom Hill who he was a runner who passed. He turned into a guy that could do both really well. Granted, his running is still better than his passing to this day, in my opinion. But, yes, if Jaron Hall is healthy, I think he's the guy. Aaron Roderick is a vet to this quarterback controversy game and the proper time to announce things. He's been around BYU long enough and quarterback conversations that he understands the weight of this decision. And he expressed as much on media day. But seriously, I do take this very this responsibility very yeah. seriously. I I, um, I feel an obligation, first of all, to our team, to our our, our fans, to, to make the best decision I can, and I feel a great obligation to our quarterbacks. I mean, I love those guys. I, that I, they work so hard. They're great guys, and uh, I want to do right by them. It feels like his comments have slated Jaron as having the nod right now. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious, right? He's going to be hard to beat if he's healthy? Yes. Yeah, that, he's, he's leaning towards Jaron. Yet he wants to keep all three engaged and motivated, feeling like they have a shot in fall camp. And they, and they do. Jaron told us he's 100% healthy, by the way. Last week. So there you go. And that's big. He's good to that's go. That's everything for and, him. And even I even brought it up at the very end, like, hey, you know, discussion, uh, concussions are scary. Where are you at with that? He's like, that's behind me. I'm good to go. Let's go. Okay. So tabling that Jaron Hall, if healthy, is going to be tough to beat. Do you feel the same way, by the way? Yes. Okay. Especially based on that comment right there. I did before Aaron said that. I wasn't sure. If I'm being completely honest, I was not sure until he said that, that I was like, okay, now he's, I, I feel like he's leaning towards Jaron Hall. Because I think Baylor Romney is very capable. Sure. In fact, all three are certainly capable, and the margin between the three is very slim at the moment. I need to see Jacob Conover playing games. I really do. Um I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback at BYU. I cannot wait for the Jacob Conover era. But there's only a one-year difference between Jacob and these guys. So this is going to be a conversation we're having for not one year, not two, but three. It's going to be a fun three years of – he's got three guys that trust. Now, again, 
you trust Jacob Conover to a point. How hard? How much can you trust a guy who hasn't played in a game quite yet? You just need to see him in a game. And this isn't the season to see Jacob Conover in a game, in my opinion, as a starter. Sure. I want him to play four games or less in redshirt, and then he has two years gap with, with Hall and Romney. Then he could have two years as the guy, as a junior and senior, if not more. Jerem, you asked Aaron Roderick a question on Media Day that I really liked, and it produced a fascinating answer. Yeah. Would BYU have named a starter if someone had emerged already? This is what Aaron said. Yeah, of course. And I, But all I, three were good. Yeah, and if, if, if somebody does that in the first couple weeks of fall camp and it's clearly they're clearly undoubtedly the guy, then we'll say so. Um, if it remains close like I think it will, we'll make the best decision we can, and we might not say anything until kickoff of Arizona. Okay. I mean, I mean there's a chance it could come to that. Um, not, not that – I mean, the team would know earlier than that, obviously. Right. But we might not say anything publicly. Because Strategically. Why would we if, if – if we can hang on to any tiny little advantage to win that first game, we might as well. And so I don't want anybody to be mad at me if that's what we do. Um, but if someone's clearly the guy and they've established themselves early on, then good chance we'll just say who it is. All right. Now, if this were polling and I was looking at percentages like on a voting night, I, in my mind, based on everything that he said, I feel like it would be Jaron Hall likely to be the starter 38%. Baylor Romney, 32%, and Jacob Conover, 30%. It's, it's close. It's really close. There's Obviously, there's not a clear distinction yeah. as to who the guy is or he would have named it because they would prefer. If they Which know is, the guy, they want – great. This know is the guy. good and bad. Good that, hey, you have three you like. Bad that one's not better than the others, and it's obvious, because I think BYU is better prepared for – uh, pros and cons to both. Better prepared for Arizona if everybody knows who the starter is. Then you can cater everything to that guy. Because let's be honest, the game plan is not going to be the same for Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. It's different. Do it, Well, maybe it's not. With Jaron Hall, we should ask this to Aaron Roderick later at some point. How aggressive do you want to be with run calls for him given the concussions? Does that change your play calling? Or I wa- does he I just wonder. run when it's convenient and the pocket is yes, collapsing. Russell Wilson, you're not calling quarterback draws for Russ. It feels like it will be that way. But he's going to run when it works. Josh Allen as well. Again, I don't want to just do black quarterback, black comp. No, th- there's all kinds of comps. Josh Allen is a guy that we saw at Wyoming in the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl. He runs a ton too for first downs and to get it down the field. Ryan I Tannehill. Think, Zach I, Wilson for crying out loud. I think those are great comps. Yes. If Jaron Hall is not going to have some run-based calls, then the game plan can be the same. It's, it's really interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's great. It's not a, it's not, I'm saying it is a con uh, to a degree, but it's also a pro to have the competition to better each other. But at some point, you got to have a guy, and that guy needs to know he's the guy. Aaron even talked about that with us, where he said, I, I'm not going to you know, yank that guy out if he struggles for no. a quarter or two. I'm not a big guy on like making, is, making it feel like he's looking over his shoulder constantly. The worst thing that could happen here is if they were like, you know what, we're going to have everyone reps in the same game, like 2010, Jay Keeps and Riley Nelson. It's like, no, you get a quarter, you're going to, no, Drew Miller, Kim Frederick, no, no. Pick a guy and let's ride that horse. Right. It's like Robbie Bosco said in 1984 when he opened up against Pittsburgh. He had just an awful first couple of series and thought, 
Lavelle Edwards is going to pull me. I'm, I'm, I'm not Steve I'm not going to play. I'm not Steve Young. I can't do this. And Lavelle said, calm down. You'll be okay. The offensive coordinator came over, and they're talking with them and working through things, and they stuck with their guy. That- the real story is Blaine's going, pull me in. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Maturity keeps being discussed as it relates to all three of the quarterbacks, and it was fun to talk with them all at the same time during our media day shenanigans in studio. Once they loosen up a little bit, it was great. And Jaron Hall summed it up from a quarterback perspective with all of the guys in the room together saying that whoever the starter is on game one, September 5th against Arizona, or September 4th, I should say, they'll be ready. You know, after spending so much time every day prepping like you're the guy, I think whether it's two days, a day, a month, you know, all fall camp, I don't think it's going to matter for whoever's up there. You know, I think we'll, we'll just be ready to go, kind of take care of our business, and, and when the coaches let us know, they'll let us know. So I think that's kind of the maturity in the quarterback room and, and the seriousness we take for, you know, being ready to be the starter for game one. Is that young man the next starting yes. quarterback yes. at BYU? I, it's nothing against those other two. I just think Jaron is, is – is, uh, I just think he's the guy. I will be shocked – if it's not Jaron Hall. Like, that's how strongly I feel about that. Listen, I'm all in on those other two as well. Like, I, you don't have to pick a side in this conversation. I just am, I think that when BYU plays Arizona, if Jaron Hall is healthy, he's the starter. Okay. And I honestly feel like if Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney or Jacob Conover is a starter against Arizona, if, BYU will win the game. Yes, Arizona is terrible. You'll they find that out the game. later in 10 and 10. I have a group of five team better than Arizona. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we're all in on Conover. He's the next Max Hall type, right? A um, little shorter, but super competitive executor. He's amazing. Baylor Romney, we saw what he did. He beat Boy State. He was awesome. Mormon Colonies, I'm all in. He's a homie, beat right? Liberty. He was pretty good against Utah State in the second half as well. Yes, he was. And then Jaron Hall, we've seen just flashes, but like Jaron Hall has been waiting forever to be the starting quarterback. Like He committed as a freshman, I want to say. His dad went here. His older brother KJ played here. His younger brother's signed to play here. Like he is, like he he has slept uh, for years thinking about September fourth for a long time about like being the guy to start a season. Stay healthy. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline for a summer edition of Maddich Monday as ESPN College Football Insider and Expert BYU National Champion Trevor Maddich, who is road tripping through the Dakotas right now and taking time for us regardless. Trevor, it's great to have you with us on your vacation. It is great to be here. I mean, Dana and I and my wife have had such a great time looking at sites, some that we expected, some that we never expected, these un- unanticipated places of stunning beauty. And we don't want to go home, but I think the people staying at our house don't want us to come home either, so we're going to have an <laughs> impasse at some point. Yeah, I can understand that uh, for sure, the vacation, not wanting it to end. Uh, but, I mean, speaking of unexpected things, this morning the Supreme Court ruled on – college sports going forward and essentially called out the NCAA as a corrupt corporation. Uh, Trevor, what do you think this means for college football and college sports as a whole that the Supreme Court was so vehemently against the NCAA? Well, I think it's good 
And in some ways, where we are now is an unnecessary place because it is correct that the Supreme Court ruled that the NCAA has been an un unfair or illegal restraint of trade towards college athletes, at least some college athletes. That, that's what they ruled. And so now things are going to change very rapidly. About a half a dozen states have already ruled that and put in, in place their own rules for name, image, and likeness. The Supreme Court now has opened the door for that to happen nationally. They didn't necessarily put in place a program. They just said the NCAA can't do this anymore. And there are more cases that are pending. And so we'll see how far that opens up. But guys, the thing that just makes me think about what's happened getting to this point because a long time ago, there were lawsuits relative to name, image, and likeness to compensating athletes beyond the scholarship. And the NCAA and the college presidents didn't do anything about it. And so as that continued to progress, it moved from the arena of the NCAA into the arena of people that don't necessarily have college football as their best interest. And that is lawyers, judges, legislators. They all have interests beyond college football that they want to balance with what they do with college football. I'm not saying that they have anything against college football, just to say that this all should have been handled years ago by the people whose interest was college football. And now because they didn't do it, it's out of their hands and in the hands of others. And it's interesting because what the Supreme Court's talking about is like straight up compensation as opposed to the additional bonus of name image likeness. There will be certain athletes that really benefit from that, but if you're getting, uh, you know, not paid to compete, it's been corrupt for a long time. It's certainly going to change. So do you think in the next five years, college athletes will be paid? I think they'll be paid in some way. Right now, the, the ideas that are being put forward on name, image, and likeness is not to have the schools uh, pay the, the players for name, image, and likeness, but rather to allow them to make as much as they could in the open market on their own name, image, and likeness um, you know, policies, whatever they can get done. And I think what BYU is doing with Built for Life is going to open the door for that because Built for Life isn't just a, a life skills program. It's also a partnership program with offline power partners in business that will allow players to not only maximize their name, image, and likeness opportunities as players for college football, but also to allow them to take that opportunity into the future. I mean, there are several schools that are doing a very good job of laying the foundation because right now we just don't know what the details will be. But BYU is at the highest level with the elite programs in the country at putting together that foundation that then will be able to maximize the details as they become known. So when you talk about players being paid, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm pretty sure it won't be that the schools will say, hey, come here, we'll pay you this much. But it will be Come here, and these are your opportunities for you personally to maximize your own opportunities outside of football and name, image, and likeness. And right now, the foundation that's being laid by BYU and Built for Life is at the elite level in college football. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is a Maddich Monday in mid-June. Trevor, let's get to the actual football. We talked about name, image, likeness, the Supreme Court, Built for Life. What was your biggest takeaway as far as the state of the football program goes at BYU on Media Day? There is so much confidence there, Spencer, so much confidence at Media Day. And I think a lot of it had to do with the depth they've been able to build over the last several years. Really, Kalani Sataki and his staff have been building a Power Five style program in Provo. And one of those things is pipeline to the NFL. 
They put 12 guys from last year's teams into NFL camps this summer. Five of them drafted, won the second pick of the draft, quarterback Zach Wilson. Well, how do you then replace those guys? And that's another Power 5 concept. In the past, a team like BYU would lose that many key players and have a big drop-off for a year or two. But BYU has developed the depth that the guys stepping into those roles have played a lot of football, have started a lot of games, some of them, and they are confident and experienced and ready to take over. And so that concept, I think, showed in the confidence that they had at Media Day, where players know, hey, we're, we lost a lot of talent. We lost a lot of guys, but we're really good. And the guys that are stepping in are good football players that are experienced. And that's the biggest takeaway that I got, the confidence in the guys that are stepping into the roles of the guys that now have gone on to the NFL. We saw a post-spring depth chart. There's a lot of depth there, a lot of excitement, a lot of talent, as you mentioned. Regarding the college football playoff, that was a big conversation on Thursday and will continue to be throughout the summer. What's BYU's best chance of getting into a potential 12-game, 12-team playoff in the future? Is it getting into a Group 5 conference because the Power 5 invite does not, uh, isn't up to BYU? Or is it stay independent and see what happens? Because it kind of depends on what the priorities are for BYU football, right? I don't sense that getting into a playoff is the highest thing I think autonomy is at this point. And Jerem, there's a lot to be said for autonomy. And the way that they're able to schedule so many Power 5 schools, even though BYU is an independent, is not in the Power 5 conference, makes it a Power 5-like situation. That helps recruiting. That helps credibility. If they if they have a record that's good enough in terms of the their access to the college football playoff. Now, where would they be better off, staying independent or joining a, a group of five conference? That's hard to say because right now the proposal is that the top six ranked conference champions will get an automatic berth in a twelve team playoff. Well, there's five power five conferences. That means that the highest ranked group of five conference champion will be in according to this proposal last year the top two highest rated power five or excuse me group of five conference champions would have made it cincinnati and coastal carolina the pac-12 would not have made it last year under that proposal and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like but being in a group of five conference is a viable way to get to the playoff at the same time for byu being able to schedule like they do being independent also gives them access to those at-large berths. Because if there are six automatic berths, there are also six at-large berths. And you got to figure one or two of those will go to the SEC. Think about Notre Dame. You know, think about, you know, another team from the Big Ten. BYU is going to have room to get there as an independent. And so there are options, and it's not like there's only one choice and BYU has to take it or leave it. I think the Cougars bring a lot to the table as a potential member of a conference. They also bring a lot to the table as an independent. And I like the position that they're in because I think it'll be a win-win situation, whichever choice Tom Holmo decides to make. Does BYU then have to cool it on the schedules a little bit to be in a playoff position, which would be zero or one losses more than likely? I don't know that they need to cool it. I think they need to continue to improve. Right now, they're on the cusp of being able to go, you know, 11-1, and 10-2 against a schedule like that. And with six at-large berths available, that should be enough in a lot of years. Then if they catch lightning in a bottle one year or another where everybody stays healthy, they have a veteran team, they have a hot quarterback, then, yeah, they can have one or zero losses. And I think that would be a pathway to get there. I don't know that cooling the schedule is the best way to do it because what they want to do is have edges over other teams that are vying for those at-large spots. And cooling the schedule, 
might be an admission that, you know, maybe the schedule is too much for him. I don't think it is. I think BYU is plenty good enough right now to compete at the highest level against the schedule that they have. And as they continue to have success against that schedule, it draws a higher level of recruit and it becomes a self-perpetuating flywheel where they continue to get better and better and better. And the tough schedule is a part of making that work. Trevor, you mentioned the Pac-12 in last year's scenario of college football would not have received an automatic bid to a 12-team playoff in the proposal that is out there right now. Well, not surprisingly, the Pac-12 apparently now wants Power 5 automatic bids regardless if they're one of the top five highest-ranked conferences. Do you agree with the idea of Power 5 automatic bids? You know, I wouldn't have a problem with it, and I'll tell you why. One of the things that I did not like about the 14 playoff is the damage it did to the value of conference championship races, where if you've got the Pac-12 or Big 12 in most recent years where potential champions lost a game or two early, they were out of the national conversation about the playoff and the conference championship races there became regional sideshows of regional interest that didn't really matter on the national stage. And that's not fair to college football. It's not fair to those teams. This kind of a scenario where you've got automatic bursts, whether it's five power five or whether it's just top six ranked conference champions, what it does is it keeps those races viable on a national level. So if you have a freshman quarterback or a new coaching staff and you lose two or three games early, then by the end of the season, you're playing like a, like a championship level team, make your conference championship game with three losses and then beat an undefeated team who's ranked number two in the conference championship game, you should be in the playoff. Now, you've got three losses. I get it. You're ranked lower. I get it. But that keeps that conference championship race of supreme value. And it keeps every region of the country, fans in every region, interested not only in what's happening in their region on a national basis, but it keeps other fan bases and other regions looking across the country at who they might have to face in a potential playoff. It just increases interest and the 14 playoff took that away. And I don't like that. So whether or not there it's five power five conferences, regardless of record or the top six highest ranked conference champions, I'd rather have the latter truthfully, but I think that either way it makes conference champions incredibly important. And by the way, for those that say that, you know, conference championship games are diminished because both teams might make the playoff. Let me tell you this, that under the current proposal, the, Top four seeded teams get a bye. So if you have in the SEC, for example, Alabama at number two playing Georgia at number four in the SEC championship game, both the winner and the loser will make the playoff, but only the winner will get the the bye. They'll have to win three games to win a national championship. The loser will have to win four games because they won't get a bye. So conference championships, even in that scenario, are still valuable. Sure, and and that's what I think the most important thing. Yeah, and then there's the added uh, value of teams that are five through eight trying to have home field advantage for that first round. So lose the SEC title game. Another level context. (laughs) All right, Trevor. Let's finish with this: Is Jaron Hall right now? As we shift to the BYU quarterbacks, is he in your mind? the guy followed by Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover, or is there really truly a competition between all three leading up to the season? You know, I haven't seen or heard anything that says that any of those guys has separated yet in talking to the coaching staff and people behind the scenes. What they've told me is that all three guys have elevated their game. Now it's one thing if you've got three guys competing for the starting quarterback position and none of them elevate their game, then you have a a one kind of problem. 
But in this case, all three are elevating. And so that's a different kind of a problem. I think Jaron has an edge because of his mobility. But I think the other guys have edges in their style of play as well. So I wouldn't even begin to guess which might be the starting quarterback for BYU. All I will tell you is this. All three are talented. All three have the ability to take this team where they want them to go. And because of the competition, whoever wins the the starting job will have the best brought out of him, the very best. Iron sharpens iron. You want this kind of competition. And we go back to what we talked about earlier, that part of what's elevated the BYU program overall has been competition at every position that has improved. And we see that right now at quarterback. Trevor Maddich, road tripping, yet taking some time out of his day to hang out with us on BYU Sports Nation. Safe travels to you and Dana, Trevor. Enjoy the Dakotas, my friend. Thank you. The Badlands await. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I'm sorry. I just straight up disagree with Trevor on what he said about BYU. Yeah, they'll, they'll be in that position. BYU wasn't this year in a year where it had the number two pick, 12 NFL dudes, no Power Fives, and the Pac-12 was terrible. So why is that going to change? I just, I just completely disagree with that idea. Well, I mean, there is the idea that if BYU didn't play Coastal Carolina on three days' notice, that maybe they would have been one of the 12 teams. Right? But they could have felt, been, but BYU they chose felt, that. They felt yeah. compelled to do that because— I, And I'm, I'm, they, I'm not talking—yes, yes. So this, this year, which is exceptional, it still didn't happen. So what about in a normal year where BYU plays too many Power Fives? BYU's not going to be— uh, a zero one or two loss team in the near future, unless it changes the schedule. You can't tell me just be better. You ha- the thing you can control is the schedule. Will BYU be significantly better in the future? Can BYU be better than it was last year? I don't know. Last can, year was can, pretty good. Can they be? Yes. Will they be? That's a different. Probably not because there's too many power fives. That's my issues. I want a season like last year again. That was fun. Just wait till twenty twenty two. 2022 I'm always told to wait. Why isn't it right in front of well, us? Well, because you why, get more of the schedule you want in 22 why, and 23. Why can't it be uh, the present? I'm always told about the future. I want the present. Like, yes. So I, I just disagree on Trevor with that because I want BYU to be in the playoff. I don't want BYU just I'm, – I'm always told, well, BYU will just meet that. It hasn't in a decade except when a pandemic showed up. Well, here's the other thing to consider. The playoff might not start until 2026. So – We have to wait five years anyway. By then, BYU's probably in the American. You know? Who knows? We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. College Source Sports Resource has listed BYU as the ninth best linebacker position group in the country. Is this the best position group in the on the team? Probably. Hard to argue against Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Peely, and all of those guys. But I do like the offensive line, Jerem, a lot with the return of James Empey as the center and kind of anchoring that offensive front. I think they're going to be really good, too. We've talked about the secondary as well. They're loaded on the edges on the defensive side of the ball. But probably right now, it's the linebackers. Yeah, the O-line isn't right now. 
because you're throwing in a couple of guys that haven't played as much. So they could become that, certainly. But right now, yeah, it's the LBs for sure. Okay. On to BYU basketball camp and some outstanding video brought to us by one Richard Harward. Thank you for filming this on your phone. Jerem, watch this from Trevin Nell after the ball is cycled around. Should our friend Trevin get a yellow card for saucing an eight-year-old camper? No, because yellow cards aren't in basketball. That Listen, if they can't defend him, they shouldn't be out there, okay? They didn't, Loser. Dunk, they didn't dunk on him, right? <laughs> Caleb Lohner certainly could. He chose not to. Zach Selyus, by, by the way, there on the wing with full beard. Yes, I, I'm okay with this. This is fun. Now, if he had dunked on him, then yes, absolutely you issue the yellow card. If yellow or you smart. block a shot. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a flagrant one. <laughs> when was the last time you got up early to run the stairs at LaBelle Edwards Stadium? Let's see. That would be never. I don't even think I've been invited to or had the opportunity to do that. What you just said doesn't make any sense. The opportunity? Yeah. Oh, why, that why? sounds terrible. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm choosing to view it through an optimistic lens. I, I would is get optimistic? to do something. Not have to do I would get to do something like that. Why would you want to do that? That looks so hard. It's it so, does look hard. It's so steep. But it's, it's Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the summer. Nobody else is in there. It's oh, kind of cool, walking. right? If I'm just walking around, I ain't going up those steps <laughs> voluntarily. No way, man. You tell me how many times I had to run the stairs. I'm thinking just going up once and down once. That's too much. That's too much? That's too much, no. Oh, man. No. Hey, I'm looking at you, Kalani. Waiting for the invite or the strength and conditioning staff. I'll run the stairs once and down. <laughs> can I do it in under... Uh... Spencer Linton. Okay. You can just walk in. Oh, okay. I wonder if I could run up and down and under. KSL TV Spencer Linton would go in there. Stop it. <laughs> Jerem, July 1st, we've marked that on our calendars as the day of potential chaos with the NCAA okay. and all of this name, image, likeness stuff that's been floating out there. Players, uh, players are going to get paid. Which BYU athlete would you like to see become the brand ambassador leading the charge on a billboard on July 1st? The one that already has 400,000 followers. Her name is Shaylee Gonzalez. Okay. She's ready to go on this. Do you have like a an item or something that she would do? Like, or would it just would it just be? No, I don't, I don't know. Product I don't know to promote. Yeah. See, I like. It would, it would probably be phone soap. <laughs> okay, because she's always on her phone, and you may have a familial tie to that, right? Perhaps. Okay. I like Alex Barcelo. Okay, I, I just think he's yeah. like a yeah. solid brand ambassador for the university. Got that great smile and probably related to something to do with insurance. Like, you can always come home. With insurance. Like like Alex Barcelo. Nice. (laughs) Hey, another one. Major League Baseball. Something else we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah. Is seeing a rash of umpires checking pitchers for use of foreign substances in game. And the players reacting. It's been a little crazy. It's hilarious. Some guys dropping their drawers, right? Like we it's talked about. Whoa. Whoa. Has Major League Baseball gone too far, and are we going too time far here? What? A substance check. Substance? Ben Bagley brought it up. You've been going to your hair a little too much in this Excuse show. Excuse me? You know the rules. You're not supposed to apply anything in the middle of the show. Can I see what's in your pocket, sir? <laughs> You know what we have we have it on video. Have what we on have video? Tape. What are you ta- doing this? What? Uh oh. Jerem, did you get what on video? Did you get caught All right. in, in the moment? You're oh Jer oh wait, hold Jerem! on. Jerem! Get out. I was scratching my head. Nope. Applying. This is garbage. We saw it on the video. It's right here. It was in this your pocket. This is garbage. Get out. You're done. Gosh. Spence, you got it, I guess. Get out of here. 
Spence, good luck, man. Yellow card for that. Jeez. Uh, all right. All I right. guess. See you later. I guess the whip's over, and uh, I guess we'll just <laughs> we'll just <laughs> we'll just wrap up the segment now. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU football released a post-spring depth chart that has like 179 names on it. I didn't know there were this many players on the roster. But, Jerem, it is missing a few notable names that you might think should be on there. Like the Nakua brothers, who are not on the depth chart yet. It's post-spring, so they're they're not going to... Throw them in the Should game. we be worried? No, because they were at BYU Football Media Day doing interviews. Yeah, they were great, by the way. Um, there are 18 um, positions listed for defense. I, don't, I, I think BYU knows there are only 11. Yeah. But um, there are different packages that they list. It's all about the Frodo, Jerem. Frodo. The Frodo starter is Ben Bywater. Will he have his finger degloved during the season? We will find out. Hopefully not. Uh <laughs> Cinco, Nickel, Joker. Who's the Joker on the team? It's Jared Capisi. We can quantify that. Yeah, there's actually some truth to that. Okay, real answers. Real answers. Uh, We've been wondering who the other safety with Chaz Ayu will be. We have an answer out of spring right now. Malik Moore. It's Malik Moore. Who got some run last year. They didn't think he was going to play at all, but he uh, came back and played. So Malik Moore is your guy. Uh, Check out his uh, deep blue. Shameless plug. Hayden Livingston is a backup to him, by the way. And George Udo... George, George Udo is listed as the starting nickel. Okay. But he's coming back from injury. That's the thing. Hopefully is he going to be right? Ah. Micah Harper, we kind of learned on media day, he probably won't play much this which year hurts. at all. Which hurts. Ah, he was really bummer. good last year. I love Micah Harper. Okay, corners loaded. D'Angelo Mandel, Shimon Willis at one side, Keenan Ellis, Isaiah Heron on the other. So many guys played so many games I, at those positions. I feel like those guys have been here for seven years. Yes. I mean, they all played against Wisconsin in 2018, right? Okay, here, here's the other thing that's really fun. Well, there's a million things to discuss. We have a couple minutes. At quarterback, it feels like Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney have been here a minute, right? Because of COVID, last year was a free year. Everyone just kept their eligibility uh, year. Status quo. Sophomores. We're, you ready for a, a QB battle for this year? No, no, no. For three years. <laughs> Assuming they all stay. Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney are going to be in their sophomore season. Jacob Conover is a freshman, and those two are sophomores, so that's really interesting. <laughs> Tyler Algier's a sophomore. We have three more years with Tyler Algier. What? That's great, right? Lopini Katoa, two more years. Okay, Gunnar Romney is a junior. Wow. Two more years with Gunnar. Okay. And then Puka Nakua. You ready for this? Yes. You ready for this? If Trevor, excuse me, um, Samson Nakua doesn't start, Okay? He's, okay, he's a senior. Okay, if he doesn't start, you have zero senior starters on offense. It's all about the 2022 schedule and team. Jim. Don't tell Build, me about the building future. the 22. I want the present. Stop. The future's always positive, according to Jason, of course. But the future doesn't actually happen. Uh, the present happens. Okay, that's exciting. Bureau's offensive line loaded with talent of sophomores and juniors. Uh, right guard Connor Payliston is the starter, by the way. Okay, that's Goal. interesting. The Plus entire. Frame. Both Entire friends. offensive line. So you got Connor. You ready? P- yes. Blake Freeland, left tackle. Solid, experienced. Left guard, 
Sir Clark Barrington, okay. yes. His Bar- brother Campbell. That's even even better name. Sir Campbell Barrington. Love the Barrington brothers. Yes. Center James Empey. No surprise. Got to go by Jim at some point. Right guard Connor Pay, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Campbell Barrington is back. Uh, right tackle Harris Lachance. Jerem, all do of those you, names. Do you like tackles who are 6'8", 300 plus? I do. Okay, so tell me. You, you lose Brady Christensen. You lose Chandon Herring and Tristan Hodge. Yet you read those names and I'm like, BYU should be really, really strong up front again. I feel great. Blocking for Tyler Algier. Yes. Uh, right tackle backup, by the way, Braden Kime, 6'8", 291. And he's a monster. He's going to be really he's good. He's a monster. He's going to be really good. Okay, defensively. Let, let's, let's just go through the 18 positions. How much time do we have? We don't have time. <laughs> Lorenzo Fautea, back from injury. Richard Jr. Uh, Tyler Batty, defensive end. Freshman. Remember, he had three sacks in the game. It was like, who's this cat? He's healthy, Got Jim. hurt. He's back. I talked to him last week. He is healthy yeah. and looks the part, my friend. Nice. Woo. I, I love that. Um, Atunaisamahe is going to fill in at nose tackle for Kairos Tonga. Backers are loaded, right? You got uh, Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely and Max Truly. Those are your big three. Yep. Those are your big three. So, I again, it's post-spring. It doesn't have everybody coming back that might have been hurt or is coming in. Uh, but it's super exciting. So, like, Dallin Holker is not listed at tight end because he wasn't here for spring ball. But Jamal Willis tweeted out a video of him, Jerem. Why isn't he listed? <laughs> I love that name. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of the dog in Up. <laughs> Kevin is a girl? <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Level up, swag it out, bring in the recruits. Jerem, that new locker room is incredible. And you pick the word. I mean, it's, uh, it, it is a thing of it's beauty. It's inconceivable. It's a thing of beauty. Question is, is the new SAB locker room a quote-unquote game changer for BYU? I think it helps. Uh, will it get BYU one more win a year? I'm not sure about that. Will it bring in did, enough recruits to get one more like, win a year? Did the annex change things for BYU men's basketball? I would argue not that much. What really changed for BYU basketball was Mark Pope. What really changed for BYU football was getting the right quarterback, getting the right system in place, getting Aaron Roderick and Zach Wilson, right? Uh, getting Kalani Sitake, da-da-da after Bronco Mendenhall left. Those are uh, more substantial changes within a program, but this is awesome. Who? Okay, a lot of times when we assess how great a thing is, we assess from our perspective. That is the incorrect way to assess it when you talk about recruiting specifically. You have to think like a 15 to 20-year-old, right? Because there are transfers who come in too. That matters, right? There is an arms race that BYU typically um, is a little behind on, because BYU values things that aren't just pumping money into coaches' salaries and the facilities. But BYU does a good job of maintaining a really high level. Is it the nicest in the country? No. But is it comparable? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So what this looks like is BYU stepped up and, and did this. Now, some people yesterday were saying, wait, is that why we had to donate 20 mil last year? There are a lot of different projects that BYU is involved in. That don't uh, that that don't necessarily tie into that, yeah, and have independent donors. Yes, and by the way, when they built the annex, Merritt Center annex, 
they got all the money to subsidize what it will cost to maintain it for the foreseeable future. So BYU is really wise in how it approaches that these financial things. So back to, is it a game changer? The actual games? No, probably not. But it elevates the experience. And perhaps you're getting a couple of guys who may not have considered BYU that will now because they like the shiny toy that is the practice facility. But at the end of the day, you got to play football. And if football doesn't happen, how is the experience at that university? It's going to be awesome. Billy Nixon talks about player experience. This enhances that, absolutely. I love the array of tweets we saw yesterday. One from our colleague Mark Durant, who is the BYU basketball analyst. He said, quote, Parade of Homes is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. If you're around Utah, the Utah Parade of Homes is a big deal. They show out the nicest places. I, yeah. I hate the Parade of Homes, by the way. <laughs> it just makes you want I, everything, It just makes right? me mad. It makes you want everything else. It just makes me else. upset. I'll never have this. This is too okay? bad. Well, on, in that vein, I appreciated a tweet from a member of the media who is a renowned Utah fan. I'll leave him nameless, but he did say, look. So Dave I, Fox? I hate BYU <laughs> As much as the next Utah fan, but you can't tell me when a young kid walks into that locker room, they won't be excited. It looks fantastic. It's updated. This is a game changer for BYU. Well, does it change the game itself? No, you still got to throw the ball. You still got to block. You still got to tackle. But it helps. It absolutely helps. It helps bring in those young kids that just maybe are on the fence Wondering about, well, I can go to this program that has nicer facilities and is in a Power 5 conference. Maybe. Maybe this swings a couple of recruits on the fence. Yeah. Like, oh, this this you, is legit like a Power 5 program. Yeah. I think I want this. I know it you sounds still fickle. Have to, you still have to sign up for the honor code. I, I know, know it sounds though, fickle, yeah, yeah. but like th- these are the types of things that are important to kids as you said, between the ages of 15 and 18. It's good to have some shiny things in the garage, Yes, right? And this is that's the garage of BYU football, and that car looks really nice. We went to a fan fest a couple years ago. I won't say where, but we, w- we went to a party the night before at a former player's house, and the garage was open, mm-hmm. and there were like three cars worth as much as my house. Well, not now in Utah, maybe, but yeah. still close. <laughs> maybe double, but it was really nice, and I was like, oh, wow. When that that if that's the garage of BYU football, the players can come on a tour and go, oh, this is nice. Yes. Because honestly, until yesterday, Weber State had a nicer practice locker room than BYU. No longer, but not, but not anymore, right? BYU's got a nicer one. And we know that Lavelle Edwards Stadium and the locker room over there is that needs an upgrade. an upgrade too. Yep. But the players will spend much more time in that locker room in the student athlete building than they will in the actual Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I would argue room. roughly twenty to thirty times more. Yes. It's almost it's not close. It's every day in the SAB, the student athlete building. I love that former players were chiming in. Squally Canada said, Look, I'm jealous, but I'm happy for the guys. It's been forever. In two thousand four, you mentioned was the last time that the locker room was upgraded? talking 17 years and before that it was what the uh smithfield house yes i remember and be, listen BYU you want a natty without a nice locker room but in 2021 you do have to keep up to some degree is byu going to you know be on the top end of that no but are they going to be competitive always yes always That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear.
and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.